And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, hey, game one, it's the playoffs, baby. You got to get ready yeah. for it, man. We, we Let's not game, freak out. Yeah. Don't freak yeah, out. Don't freak out here. No anxiety. This is, we're actually going to get, this is going to be a sunshine pod. Keep your composure, people. Keep your composure. We got this. Let's go. This is Mike Harris. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuys. Netsdaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind the paywall. I think it's a dollar a month for six months. Get yourself behind the paywall at theathletic.com slash glueguys. A subsidiary of the New York Times. Brian. Michael. The playoffs we watched, are back. We watched some playoff basketball. All right. Let's get right into it. No BSing around, Mike. We got to take weekend? care of business Easter. Here. Tell me about Easter. Um, <laughs> So I think Brian and I had our pre-show meeting, and we're both in the same sort of four-hour, four-hour-long pre-production. I am not downtrodden. I am not downcast. If anything, I am buoyed. I am floating above the ether for whoa. How this team that might be that might be too much for me. That's too much. That's you know. Uh, but it's one thing, you know, it's good. Good that you're there. Okay. I, I like that for you. I do want to shout out, Hey, Slack crew, all, everyone who listened to this podcast, who's on Slack. I was away. I was on vacation last week and it's 10 08 as we're recording and I'm already getting the, Hey bud, how's your break of uh, Slack crew? You know, Slack people, oh, who, people, people who, people use, who Slack use Slack professionally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, so don't, don't message Mike. Stop yeah. messaging Mike. If you're on, there's Slack. a grace period. A Monday morning post-vacation grace period, 10 o'clock, not, it's not that it's too early, but it's it's unbecoming. And actually, wow. the the person who did that, I, I actually really like, so I, I apologize if you Well, you're being this. appropriate <laughs> and you're losing your Q rating. Um, Mike, we watched some, <laughs> we watched some basketball. Uh, you're buoyed. I'm like, I'm cautiously I'm optimistic. Sam buoyed, I'll call, yes. I'll, I, I'll say that. Like my, my big takeaway, and I think this is the only take, was that. That's not true. There's, they can have a lot of different takes. I don't want to like shut people out from the conversation, right? Um, but I think that if you look at just how bad Kevin Durant played and how um, how their strategy effectively was just like incredible ball denial of of Kevin Durant to the point where it's probably illegal amounts of contact for the ball denial, and then have him just like have a trillion turnovers and no never look to pass the ball and just miss every shot he takes. And then to still almost win like by a 10th of a second or whatever it was, you have to look at that outcome and be a little bit optimistic about like, well, you can't, I mean, our best are truly the best player maybe in basketball and certainly on our team had, I think the worst game of his career as a net potentially, like it could, it could have been that bad. And we besides maybe the play in, 
is Kevin Durant clutch? It, can he can he handle don't, the pressure? Do is he a cupcake, do Brian? This. Hey, <laughs> the suge- hey, do this. recent history details <laughs> hey. him as being one of the biggest choke artists in the NBA. Hey, no, we're hey. not doing this. Um, um, but yeah, anyway, so my my quick like you know quick off the cuff take was I was pretty stoked about the game for the most part, despite the fact that we lost. Only for the reason that we could not have played worse, I don't think, and then still almost won. Yeah, there's a lot of positives, and I'm going to weave in throughout this episode optimism, pessimism, and self improvement. Um, things to be optimistic about seem to be a little bit pessimistic, and then hey, could we improve it? Because does it doesn't work just to be pessimistic? Can we improve ourselves in that case? Yeah, Kevin Durant. I mean, he was nine for twenty four from the field, one for five from three. There was one really ugly. Like it, it was ugly at times. Six turnovers. Ugh. And Brian and I talked about this before the pod um, in our pre show meeting on the play that Jason Tatum streaks to the basket to score the game winning bucket. Durant was guarding Tatum. Now, it was a chaotic defensive set, right? The Nets are sort of all hands on deck doing everything they can to stop any shot. That's what happens at the end of games. But Durant's at the top of the key looking at the ball. Tatum's at the top of the key, and Tatum just streaks to the basket. And Kyrie's the only one that seems to notice, and Kyrie tries to play like a a half second of defense as Tatum's. I mean, it's impossible. So, I mean, it's, it's on Kevin Durant. I should know bit. this. Maybe you know this, Mike. Did they have a timeout at the end of that game that they didn't use? Is that I can, because I? Yeah, I don't me, know if it's worth it to find out. But yeah, let's, let me because see. like that would be a great call. And honestly, it's part of like that's one data point in the Celtics' favor because Brad Stevens, if if that was the call, and that's like their, um, it's not Brad Stevens. Their, it's Ime Udoka. Sorry, Ime yeah. Udoka. Um, if that was the call, it was um, it was a good call. Uh, because like the Nets are not a super stable defensive operation, and to just push it with 14 seconds left to go is a smart thing to do against a team like us. So I, I uh, t- tip of the hat, tip of the hat to that call if they did have a timeout. Yeah, it's going to take me way too long to sort of confirm. Yeah. Well, I know you were delaying <laughs> and trying to. to draw yeah, it I was out. thinking I was reading your eyes and seeing if there was. <laughs> I was there, like, but nothing. <laughs> nothing. Um, That's okay. We'll figure it out afterwards. Um, <laughs> I, I I completely agree with you. Your overall take on this is that like the the Nets. There's a lot of things that we can tick down of of saying, you know, they were too foul happy. Goran talked about that after the game. Uh, Kevin Durant was mauled consistently off the ball, and I don't know I don't know what it has become that Kevin Durant's allowed to just be pushed around consistently off ball, and no foul is ever called. P.J. Tucker did this last postseason where he he denied Kevin Durant the ability to move like off the ball defense does not. It's not in the NFL where you have a five yard grace period off the line of scrimmage where a defensive back can do pretty much whatever he wants to a wide receiver. It doesn't exist in basketball. For some reason, Kevin Durant is left to just be abused like um, I don't really want to go down what you could be abused like, but. It is dark. It is some it dark stuff. Dark. It's some dark stuff. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. oh, um, and and so I don't really know what's happening with that. But the, the Nets were way too foul happy. The rebounding was a massive issue at various points in the game where Tice and Horford were making Drummond not look to be all that effective. And we'll talk about Andre Drummond in a sec. Um, Bruce Brown didn't have like any sort of remarkable game in terms of scoring. Drummond had no scoring. Curry basically scored all of his points at the beginning of the game. Um, but then there are things to be excited by. Uh, Nick Claxton and Goran. 
so I, I think like overall, this is like let's take a breath, right? This is game one of hopefully the Nets winning a championship. Now we don't know that, right? And losing losing this game, a game that you should have won technically at the end. If you have the ball up and you're up one point and you have Kevin Durant has the ball in his hands to possibly put you up by three or four, you know, you should feel pretty good about that situation. I think probably the odds in that situation are like Nets 60% win possibility, maybe even higher than that, right? And But what we saw was something that's been a symptom all year, which is at the end of games, because the Nets aren't very good on defense, the other team can score pretty much when they want to. And when the Nets need to score a really big bucket, they're they're good. They're not, but they're not great because they often the way they play def- offense is you know one on one stuff, and that's what happened. Kevin Durant was just he was just left to kind of do Kevin Durant stuff. And there was nothing else happening there, and that's all that that's how this team is built right now. Is that nothing else happens? Think, like <clears throat> as I watch the game, like uh, part of what I'm also confident about too is that like there's not a whole lot of players on the Celtics that like that that annoy me or like <clears throat> like frustrate me in the sense that they're going to be like have have a game like sort of like these Lou Williams types players you know kind of like fringy scory guys yes. um even Jalen Brown honestly I way prefer it when he shoots I mean Tatum is the only guy that I don't want to shoot on the team basically that's, that's sort of Tatum's like Tatum's amazing so, Tatum's amazing and he hits really hard shots now and so like he is certainly a spectacle and there's like any time that we can have a possession wallet and water. <laughs> Anytime that we can have a possession and in a Jalen Brown shot over Jason Tatum, I'm pretty stoked on it. That feels very like that feels earned and hard won. So this is like pessimism, optimism, you know, uh, self-improvement. This is in the self-improvement category. So Tatum had a really efficient, strong game. He took 12 free throws, 10 for 12 from the free throw line, 918 from the field, 31 points, eight assists. It it felt even it felt like an even better game because he hit so many big shots and particularly the game winning shot at the end. We talked about this in our preview show. The Nets need to treat Jason Tatum like every team treats Kevin Durant. Like they need to be throwing doubles at him. They need to make it extremely difficult for him. I mean, Marcus Smart took seventeen shots in the game. That is actually what you want. The thing is, he hit half of them and four, he was four for nine from three. So and he did a bunch of other stuff that he always does. So like the Nets did get the ball out of Tatum's hands, but they need to make it like that's their main objective because like you talked about, Jalen Brown could have a really good game, and I'm, there's no disrespect; he's an All Star, right? But I don't. It, there's not like a fear factor that he's going to do what Kyrie Tatum or Kevin Durant can do, right? I yeah. And also, like, just I wish that we could replicate a little bit of what they're doing on Kevin Durant defensively to, to Tatum. Like, why can't we get, like, yeah. Bruce Brown to just deny him the ball in front of him as often as possible? Like, instead, we have to, like, ice him after he's already received the ball, which he's such a good ball handler. It's like, okay, like, he's going to figure that out. And and we, <clears throat> we just let him get the ball at the top of the key, like, every possession he wants, which... Why? Why do we let this happen? We should be face guarding him the entire way down the floor. Well, and part of the issue is... The Nets, from a defensive perspective, it's a bad matchup because everything that the Celtics have is all wings, all biggie wings. We're just, we're just missing one James Johnson, and that would be that's, that's seriously the James. Well, Johnson, I, I was joking. James was joking, Johnson but, yeah. could have done something in this game. Um, wow, there it is on some level. No, I mean I, Kessler Edwards getting minutes in the playoff game. I'm surprised by. It. I'm trying to. I'm still trying to rewind to see if if they had a timeout and they did have a timeout. The Celtics did. They did. So you were validated in your in I your feel validated. Take. 
Uh, I feel vindicated. So I don't have to. We don't have to remove that from the show. And the Nets actually right. had two timeouts, but of course they couldn't have taken them. Um, I, so well, you're stuffed up, Doug. Yeah, Damn. I'm stuffed you up. Got, these allergies are crazy. I just took a COVID test too, which just like my nose wow, are just like going, what's happening. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna die. Let's do this quick break, and then I'm gonna dive into a little bit more optimism, pessimism, much more about this game, and much more about how the Great. series may play out going forward. Fired up. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And we're back, Brian. I'm just going to kind of go down my list, and that'll kind of guide the conversation. Optimism. Kyrie Irving yeah. is a god. Mm, um, I feel optimistic about that. I was concerned about Kyrie heading into the series because Marcus Smart should be the type of defender that gives Kyrie a lot of trouble. You know, like he's got strength, length, and he's very active, and he's just a, 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 a grumpy guy on the court. Um, and you know, Kyrie you know- is amazing. <laughs> You know why I'm not worried about this is because, you know, despite all of um, Kyrie's citizen of the world Buddhist bullshit, he is ultimately an incredibly spite driven person. I think that's his. That's that's where we meet him. We meet him (laughs) right in the. That's that's our Venn diagram. There's a lot of things that he does that we don't agree with. But hey, woo. Let's spice. <laughs> he's, uh, he's very, yeah. he's very much like Russell Brand from Forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's sort of my. <laughs> that's sort of Please my. Please explain, uh, because he has like all this like you know Namaste stuff, but really when it comes down to it, he wants to like stick his middle finger in your face and like you know steal your girlfriend or whatever. Like that's his, that's his ultimate like. Pro- he's still you know it's a it's a th- thin veneer of of Des, these like Des Lombardo or social. Just be careful about. Putting Kyrie's face on Russell Brand having sex with oh my God. Christian Bell in the like let's let's be, be let's careful be delicate let's be let's, let's be, be delicate about that but be classy it, but keep then... it classy Des Lombardo <laughs> our social media extraordinary. anyways you yeah. know what I'm getting at. anyways so obviously he's getting fined like a bajillion dollars for um, getting into a spat with the front row. And I really do ultimately think that that type of stuff is is why you get really great performance. It's why he's been so great all season, to be honest with you. I think that really his his whole anti-vax persona now is one that's ultimately born of spite, you know, and spite towards the world, broadly speaking. The league, anyone who's preventing, you know, he, he feels very much uh, me against the world. Yeah, he was so, so persecuted for his, for his stance. So, I mean, uh, he couldn't have helped 
being persecuted in that way. He couldn't have, look, it's, how could it's, he have prevented this persecution? It's resulted in the immaculate basketball we're watching right now. So, you know, ends justify the means, 100%. Wait, wait, wait. let's look at that. So you're saying yeah. anti-vax equals good basketball. In his mind. And so it's a placebo effect. And, well, you know. Kevin Durant and, did get and, vaccinated. So maybe you have something there. Does right. It diminishes so, your skills. Don't you think? I think it's a, it probably has a placebo effect for him. Anyways, yep. or it's just, or even more to the point, it's spite driven. Like, look, I didn't get it and I got my way and now everyone didn't want me to play and now I'm going to play and I'm going to play so well that it's it's going to make you rethink your whole vax. Yeah. And, you know, and let's say this the, before sort of this game, I mean, there's been other examples in the past. There was this idea that Kyrie would never want to play. He didn't want to play in Cleveland when he was in Boston. And when he was in the with the Nets, there was this idea that, remember when he had the shoulder impingement and, oh, that's a fake injury. He doesn't want to play in Boston, right? And then we had the sage burning where he was in Boston, you know, burning sage and everyone, everyone who are these clam chowder, um, baked uh. beans, Eating. You can just see the chowder hanging off their their lips. They have like just chowder in the corners of their Disgusting. Boston people are. They need to you need to wipe your mouths of all that chowder. Dunkin' Donuts drinking. Oh, disgust. <laughs> I love Dunkin' Donuts. Thank you, Dunkin' you Donuts. You do. I know. I can tell you love. Um, Is that, are they from Boston? Is that a thing? It, yeah, Dunkin it's. Donuts? I think it's actually oh. based in Providence, but it's a new, very big in in Boston. All right, Dunkin'. Okay. Um, so. Sam Adams, another brand. Just thinking of Boston brands. Oh, um, Sam Adams. Gr- gross. Yeah, gross. <laughs> New Balance, your seekers are terrible. Um, <laughs> Harvard. How do you know all these Boston brands? New Balance is from Boston, too? Yeah, what, what the yeah. hell? I'm pretty sure. All right. Sorry. How do you know these things? Yeah, well, hey, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You've been reading the, no, the WSJ? The, Sorry, the narrative on Kyrie is that he didn't want to play in the arenas he used to call home, right? And that he was a, f- a fragile flower. When, if you actually look at the evidence... He's a killer. He's he's hit one of the biggest shots in NBA history. Stone cold killer. He he really believes he's the best player on the floor every time he's on the floor. Yeah, there's definitely times when his he seems like he's mentally sort of um, off. You know, there, there, there's those moments. But realistically, if you look over the, the span of his time, when he's healthy playing in the playoffs, he's a very effective player. And he was awesome in Boston. Now, Brian, let's get to this conversation. We'll get back to basketball in a sec. But, can I actually just like do? You, yeah. Do you have like an encyclopedic knowledge of corporate headquarters? Like, if I just say like, "Where's Radio Shack?" Like, you'll just—I <laughs> don't know. Radio like, Shack. I <laughs> think it's like owned Richmond, by Virginia. a private investment firm now. So, te- probably New York <laughs> is technically the <laughs> corporate headquarters. But um, can I Sabers in Tallahassee, these? Florida? Sabers, yeah. the company that buys, wow. you know, Michael Scott's company. Um, right <laughs> in, in the office. Right. I know it's a Tallahassee. I, I interrupted you. Well, I'm, I'm going to get more. No, of I'm ready. If you way. want to throw yeah, out yeah. some companies, I'm re- I'm ready. A lot of them are in New Jersey. And uh, and uh, what about what about Smashburger? Where's Smashburger? <laughs> I don't know if they have a corporate. <laughs> do you think corporate? They have a Smashburger corporate headquarters. You know, I did yeah. drive by a. Um, do you know Stewart's the gas station? Sure, sure. Yeah, that's course. that's in like Saratoga. I know that because I drove. That makes. And I'm like, <laughs> that's like Willy Wonka to me to be inside wow. the Stewart. Stewart. <laughs> they have fantastic ice cream. Um, it's very wow. cheap. That's why I like it. Okay. Um, obviously, Ben and Jerry's is in Vermont. I, but it's Everyone not Burlington. That. That's it. That's but it's not Burlington. Thing. It's somewhere else. Okay. In the words. Um, so what were we talking about? We we're talking about know. Kyrie Irving. Oh, yeah. And, the and then fans. you were going into something. Yeah. Okay. So here's here's the deal. I love being a part of the Nets fan base, right? I think we're inviting, we're welcoming to all kinds. You know, we we want more fans. 
And yeah, the the atmosphere at Barclays isn't, you know, a mosh pit. It is filled with people who really love basketball, who generally seem to either want to be there for, you know, sort of the scene of it all or love the Nets, right? Like you're showing up to a Nets game because you love the Nets or you're famous and you want to sit courtside. I understand that. But what we don't do is the disgusting acts that some Celtics fans tend to perpetrate. They're... And this this is not just Celtics fans. You'll see it with Sixers fans. You'll see it Utah Jazz, Indiana Pacers. There's a lot of fan bases in the NBA where there's just like um, sort of a mental mafia who will scream and curse at guys like Kyrie. And I find I find that aspect of fandom so disgusting because if you really break it down, so ba- basketball should be fun, right? It's entertainment. And what Kyrie is doing is is so electric, so delicious. Like to try to denigrate the way who he is as a person when the point of him in his existence for you is to hopefully enjoy how he plays basketball. It it just it doesn't make logical no. sense. <laughs> if an alien came down from space and they're like show me human culture and we took him to a basketball game and we saw all these Boston people yelling, one they would be terrified. And would say, let's not mess with Earth because there's a lot of angry people in this place they call Boston. But two, they would say, why why do these people scream expletives at the most dynamic person on this performance stage? Well, because he's wearing the wrong shirt. It's like, okay. And and for anyone who's like, there's a lot of this browbeating on Twitter of Kyrie, how could he flick off the fans? How could he curse at fans? I don't understand that mindset. It's like, the guy's human. How, like, he, how, what is he supposed to do? Like, he's just supposed to be super silent and take it while also being, they also wanted to be intense on the basketball court and, you know, be a killer on the court. But just because he's doing an inbounds pass and there's fans screaming stuff at him that he's not, he's supposed to have two different brains, essentially, right? It's He's supposed to be severed, like the show Severance, but I won't ruin but don't don't do it. You're two different people. I mean, that's not ruining it. You're you're a person when you're at work, and you're a person when you're outside of work. So Kyrie Irving is supposed to be a different person on the court than when he is like like an inch off of it, right? Killer on the court and off the court, he's supposed to be like just take abuse. And I think it's just so anyone who who doesn't understand Kyrie's point of view, you got to do a little evaluation. He's here's human. My, here's my only criticism of this. <clears throat> sure, I I don't mind. Like, I kind of like heckling. I think yeah, it's I funny. Like, like you're going to have people there. And the, my only issue with it is that you can't heckle them back. Like, the, the fact that, like, Kyrie's going to get fined 50K or whatever for this sucks. Like, if you're getting heckled, you should be able to heckle back. What's the problem with heckling back? It's not like they fought each other or anything. You know? Like, a little back. Well, here's the problem, though. It's like, there are, uh, there's an element of heckling which is fun and, like, so, like, Mr. Whammy, not that he's heckling, per se, but the, it's the fan experience of trying to put... That's, that's like, bumper bowling of heckling. That's yeah, not even... That's, but, <laughs> that's, but I think, that's like... some safe-ass heckling. What Kyrie's responding to isn't heckling. It's just simply, like, denigration. It's simply, F you, Kyrie, you're a P, go S a D. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. I'm a parent. I'm Can a dad. I, so like every yeah. curse word now is I spell it out or I just use the Go first. sit on a dock. Okay. Go That's... sit on the dock of the bay. 
<laughs> you playboy. Um, that that is a very sanctimonious thing that you just said, and I'm with it because you know I I that's you know Kyrie's my guy, right? He's on my team, so I feel that way. Can I say what's an egregious act that I cannot stand by, no yes. matter what? Clam shot. This is what Sorry. this was perpetrated. Um, this the people in the front row who <laughs> brought their white picket ass family and then bought their like five to seven year old daughters eight thousand dollar tickets or whatever or eight thousand dollars worth of tickets to a Boston Celtics Brooklyn Nets uh, playoff game and then put like giant noise canceling headphones on them like they're about to go do some yard work Michael <laughs> <laughs> they're about to go run a leaf blower. Um, is is offensive to every part of my nature. I cannot have this. I will say that that wouldn't that wouldn't go that wouldn't fly in Brooklyn. I got to say, I don't think it would. I don't think you could have it. Ban children from basketball. Is that what you're saying? Ban them. Uh, I'm saying ban children from being like. Uh, God, how do we even like like the idea that you would bring them to a basketball game and then put like sensory deprivation like tools all over like just like <laughs> they're, just they're in them. salt water floating yeah in a pod yeah, yeah. like and and there's definitely a phone going with I got it I gotta think it was Peppa Pig I, I have to admit I think it was probably which is basically the mental like, I don't know what it does for it, it entrances you it puts you into a state of complete yeah. disassociation <laughs> to where you can fall asleep and that's what they were doing with these. And, you know, I I don't want to, like, nobody go f- at them on Twitter or whatever. I'm just saying it's a very Boston thing to do because it's a very strange place to be from. And it's a bad place to be from, Like <laughs> You know, just, instead of instead of buying the $8,000 ticket, just get a uh, babysitter for your kids, right? Yeah, like, get a babysitter. Get Maybe a, get a babysitter. And then get super drunk at the game. Hey, hey I'm fine with yeah, that. Fire it up. Fire um, it up. Anyways, okay, we've, let's we've done ba- Back to yeah. basketball. Um, pessimism. Okay? This is my bit again. Um, Drummond. Ugh. Okay. So let me ask you, Drummond had a bad game. He was a non-factor. Claxton played many more minutes than he did. So let me ask you, is this a one-game aberration, or do you think this is a concerning sign that Drummond was so ineffective? He wasn't even getting, you know, the whole point of Andre Drummond, who we love, we've loved the experience, is that he he's a, a rebound machine, and he was just overwhelmed by Horford and Tice. I he I mean he was dropping balls just out of I think he was like especially in that first quarter there was like a, a perceptible adrenaline jacked like energy in the room and no, neither team could could score um and the nets were just like looking incredibly sloppy and I was like screaming at the TV like Andre like chill out dude like just grab the ball it's like just trickling <laughs> out to your like to your waist just grab it um, so I got to think that it's like a one-time aberration just cause it, it just looked so, it's like, that's not you. I don't know. Who is this? Who is this Reggie who Evans is looking? This? <laughs> it's like when I talk to my son and he's acting up at dinner and I'm like, this isn't you. This yeah, isn't, you. come on, be a good boy. So, so but do you, Claxton played well. Um, people, so people took issue with Claxton too. And I found that interesting on oh, various places on the me. internet. Um, they were ignorant so, to this. <laughs> I, I thought he, I thought Claxton played well. I liked what I was seeing from him. I liked that he also had a full speed two handed layup. Mike, I haven't seen that since like the <laughs> the ABA <laughs> days. <Bob> was, <laughs> yeah, um, but he. So I guess people were uh, took issue with the fact that there was a couple of lapses where like Tice and Horford, or whatever, could pick you know. Um, Pick away at at the rim, and that was also true of like Jalen Brown had his like you know his couple of buckets of just like kind of uncontested dunks, 
I guess that's that falls to rotational stuff. But like why I think collection is incredibly useful out there is because of his ability to switch onto wings. That's like the core. So like if you have a defensive breakdown that results in a, you know, a chippy from from one of those guys, like it sucks. Yeah, I get it. But it's not ideal. But it's like not what we're ultimately that's not like the the core premise of what we're trying to do, which is truly like guard the perimeter. And so like, you can say like, well, how much is that worth it? If you're going to let like those lapses happen, it's like, yes, that's going, but that's just going to happen over the course of a game. A couple of times. It just is like, we had a couple of buckets like that too. Like it's like just normal basketball stuff. So if you get like your, the core principles, right. And I think Nick Laxon did net good on guarding the wing. Um, that's like good evidence going forward, but I don't know. People, people didn't like that. He wasn't just like, parked in the in the lane and like being a super rim protector bro yeah that's just not who he is i I mean so my 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 thinking is like so rebounding has been devalued in the nba like when we were growing up rebounding was like the way you win basketball games it's almost like rushing yards on in the nfl like in the 90s you just need a good you need to run the ball first and second down and that was it and in the nba it was you need to rebound but to me it was so so here's a statistic so the Nets starters, I'm, I'm going to do math on the fly here, but they did 17 rebounds total for the Nets starters. Al Horford by himself got 15. And then the rest of the Celtics starters got out. Re- they all got five, seven, six, and four. So to another 22 on top. So the starting units for both teams, the Celtics just vastly out rebounded them. That gave them so many more possessions. And so I'm wondering, do do the Nets have to do more to account for the rebounding? Because what do you the, the way to do it is one, you have to play Claxton and Drummond together at times to counteract Tice and Horford. Because really it became a size issue. It was Drummond trying to get the rebound, and he was surrounded by two other tall dudes, and no one else on the Nets, you know, because Kevin Durant's really just not a rebounder like that. So do you play Claxton, but then when you do that, you know, you take Bruce Brown off the floor. So then you have a really big lineup. But then Drummond and Claxton haven't played that much together. It would be kind of an – it would be very awkward on offense because you don't really have a place to stick them. Or do you resurrect LaMarcus Aldridge? And while LaMarcus on defense would kind of suck because they would probably try to hunt him for switches, at least he's a big, smart dude. And on offense, he can operate alongside a Drummond or a Claxton pretty easily. And – I kind of like the idea of LaMarcus being out there at times because his shot making is going to be very beneficial if he's healthy. Like it seems so odd that he disappeared from the rotation for a guy who was so effective early on. But all of this, all these things, like because there's no perfect big on this team and you're going against a team that plays two bigs. So you could go, you could match their size or you just completely give up rebounding and you go Houston Rockets and you say, we're not even playing Drummond or Claxton. KD, you're our big until Ben Simmons comes back. And we're going like KD, Curry, Mills, Curry. Uh, yeah, KD, Curry, Mills, Kyrie, and I don't know, Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown's just like playing center and running around and creating havoc the way that he does. So I don't like how much do you have to care about rebounding to make a change? Or do you simply think Drummond's going to play better? And if Drummond's like who he usually is, him and Claxton alternating should be enough. Do you know what I'm saying? I know I threw a lot out there, but yeah, I don't want to. I guess I w- I'd say 
<clears throat> you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I just think in this in this first game, like there was enough uh, that was like conspicuously, um, just like like not even just like a lack. It was it was just like dumb bad things. It's like not a lack of execution. Like I think it just like we almost won playing really badly, getting like roughed up pretty significantly. Like it was just like a handsy game or whatever. And like I remember like looking watching Andre Drummond just like not grab rebounds that he would 1000% be normally grabbing um, in any other game this season. So it's like, you know, I don't know that we totally need to like rethink or retool this, you know, initial plan. There's not much of a plan, you know, going on anyways, (laughs) but like it doesn't really need um, that dramatic retooling. Now, if that happens again, I guess, I guess you take like a big hard look at whether just like, Tice's and Horford's hands are just like so deft that it's like making Andre Drummond not grab rebounds. Like that seems implausible to me, but like maybe I don't know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, 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 at present, I don't have a real issue with the Claxton Drummond rotation. I mean, like people who are calling for Aldridge, I, I, I like, don't get me wrong, love Lamarcus Aldridge and have liked him enormously throughout the season. But since he's come back from injury, like ha- has not had a like moment where I was like, ooh, like, like he's Marcus back. Is back. He's yeah. back, baby. <laughs> yeah. Facts. That, that is said that facts in. He's back. I mean, yeah. That's and, the problem with the so, Marcus. Yeah. He he would get he would get attacked on defense mm-hmm. in, in a way that like Drummond at least can passably kind of like if he gets stuck out on the perimeter against Tatum, at least Drummond's got some some heft and some quickness to him a little bit. And Claxton's obviously very good at that. Um, that's the thing that he does. Lamarcus would just get it kind of get ugly at times, but offensively. Mm-hmm. He just operates in a different space, and he's that sort of that pressure release valve, a Zodrunas Ogaskis type, you know, a mid-range big, mm. Uh, mm. which is very exciting. Um, a couple quick things, but we have this big conversation about bigs, and I, we, we have to get to Ben Simmons. Does this feel Do like we? the time? Sure. Rip it. Woj has reported that Ben Simmons has been pain-free for a week, and he's going to start practicing with teammates this week. Okay. So okay. I ask you, Brian, the the quote is maybe he'll play 10 to 15 minutes when he comes back, if he comes back, and maybe game four or five or six, though, if he's already playing with teammates, which would indicate he's no longer playing against air, though we don't know anything from Steve Nash, how much does Ben Simmons help after seeing game one and you saw that the Nets were deficient rebounding, uh, they had trouble getting easy buckets, and they definitely needed someone else on the floor who could do something with the ball and maybe someone who could play defense. <clears throat> does Ben Simmons playing 10 to 15 minutes, like, does that dramatically alter the series or is it just like a, a nice sort of small benefit? Because I'll say this, they lost by one point, you know? And if they had Ben Simmons and he's playing the four minutes that Kessler Edwards played, it's, he's probably more helpful. In four minutes. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but we're talking about it's like such tiny margins of that like at that point you could you can make an argument for anybody helping in that amount of time, you know, like it's just such a fringe like you like fringe use of a player of that caliber, which you get excited for a player of that caliber because of their superstar potential or whatever. So like I mean like, yeah, if you like play a superstar four minutes, can that like help yeah. yes but it doesn't like it doesn't it helps you point two five points right <laughs> yeah yeah like and, and if that's the difference between a win and a loss like is that 
really up to Ben? Like, is that Ben Simmons' fault that he uh, that he did that? So I don't know. I I'm having a hard time like getting super duper stoked about the Ben Simmons thing yet. Like, obviously, I, I want him to come back, and if he plays ten to fifteen minutes, I think that there's a lot of reasons why that's like cool and exciting. But I I still until I see like some real evidence that he's like gonna be a big time producer. Like, I just you know having a a another really good defender is helpful. Like it's it is it is somewhat helpful. It doesn't solve all of our problems. And if he's only going to play ten minutes a game, like you know, I don't know what to do with that. I just don't know how to like factor that into my analysis. Did you see the latest Spider-Man movie? No, no. Okay, I'm going to ruin it. I haven't. I haven't seen any. I I'm not going to watch superhero movies going forward. I've kind of made that. That's a drastic error. Because there's great work being done <laughs> by Marvel many, Studios. What, if you if you look at like HBO Max and you go and just look at how many Batman movies got made, like they have like all like it's yeah. just so many. There's so, so many, <laughs> and they're all grumpy. You know, yeah. I just don't. Like, I, don't I, I get it. Nipples, but I get it. I've, I get the Joker. I get the Batman. I see the the yin and the yang. There, it makes sense. Like I I, I got it. I'm. You, I don't. I don't need it you're anymore. You're satiated. <laughs> Um, yeah. from Batman stories. I understand that. But basically, yeah. um, this doesn't ruin the I, I'm always sensitive to ruining the movie, but like, it, you know, this doesn't ruin the movie. Let's okay, say, what's the name of this movie? Can we spoiler alert uh, this a little bit? Spider-Man Far From Home. Is that okay. it? The most recent Spider-Man know. movie. You know, and it no came way out. Home. It was No Way Home. No Way Home. It was the most popular okay. movie since Avatar, essentially. Or, or Endgame. I should say Endgame. Um, huge, huge. But basically, Doctor Strange has to erase the world's memory of Spider-Man. That's what. That's the catalyst that starts the movie. So so tight. I love that. So sick. If if we if we could get <laughs> Doctor Strange to erase everyone's memory of what Ben Simmons did in those playoffs, the last playoffs against the Hawks, and even erase it from Ben Simmons's memory, and the memory that I have of Ben Simmons is pre that moment. I would be super pumped for Ben Simmons because the Ben Simmons I remember before that moment is the rebounding. It's the defense. It's the ball handling. It's the passing. He's an engine in transition and all that stuff. Right. But because of that playoff failure and then the ensuing months where he just just disappeared from the team because of his mental health issues that he was working through. And then he shows up in the Philadelphia 76ers wearing sweatpants and having the cell phone in his pocket when he practiced and then he disappears again. And then he comes to Brooklyn, and then he has a back injury, which is still mysterious to me. But he comes back, and okay, all this stuff. If if we're if we're getting the Ben Simmons pre that Hawks series, I'm super excited because that's that's an all star, that's an all all defensive player, and that's if you add that to your team, even for ten minutes a game in the playoffs, that matters greatly. You know, like Patty Mills played twelve minutes. Now the good thing about Patty Mills is that he only took one shot and he made it. He didn't do like the normal one for five where he kind of kills your team a little bit. If you're inserting uh, all NBA defense, you know, beast that is Ben Simmons for 10 minutes, that that margin is significant. You know I mean, the, the, the team lost by one point. They were up by one point with 10 seconds left, right? Like that is a significant margin. I just have no idea what Ben Simmons is going to be. I have no clue. And this team doesn't know how he's going to play with any of these guys. Ben Simmons is one of the most unique, difficult players to understand how he will look on another team. Um, I, I, But how could you not be – like, 
it is exciting, the possibility. Yeah, I don't want people to get me wrong. Yeah. I want to see him. <clears throat> I want to see him back, and I want to see him back for 25 minutes a game. Um, I think you know, that's so going to happen. I, wanna, I, I think yeah. the 10 to 15 is the early on, like, hey, game four, he's going to play 10 to 15 minutes. And if he feels fine, there should be no reason why he can't play 25 the next game, right? Like, I really don't want this to be – I mean, they're going to lose the series if they're doing, like, this little bit-by-bit approach. Like, let's let's rip the Band-Aid off, Benji. Rip the Band-Aid I mean, off, If he could just come back and, like, D-up Tatum like he did, like, two years ago, I'm – I'm I'm here for it. I want you know that's awesome to think about. And and yeah. and if you get him, you can do small lineups where he's the five, Katie's the four. They're both protecting the rim, and then you still have Bruce Brown, Curry, and Kyrie. And you could probably take Bruce Brown off the floor and go with like Patty Mills, and then you have four great shooters around Ben Simmons. Like you have much more lineup versatility, or you could even play him with Drummond. And then you go really big and you can match up against Tyson Horford where Ben Simmons is attacking Tice off the dribble or Horford off the dribble, right? Which is way more exciting. So there's he's this massive X factor. Of course, Robin Williams is potentially coming back too. Um, so there's a lot. Anything else from the game that you feel like we didn't talk about we need to hit? Um, Like the bench played well. Like Goron, we Dog, didn't talk yeah, about Goron. Dragic looked good, and I um, I went on the athletic show um, the Sunday or Saturday. What is it called? Saturday the, Slam and Jam. Saturday Slam and Jam, and I was like, oh, "Hey, athletic NBA I think show I think Goran Dragic could be um, a a weird X factor off the bench." And lo and behold, he kind of was. So I he was twenty six. I just wanted to I just wanted to pat myself on the back. That's what I wanted to do at that time. He gave me. Um, it was he was. He was super effective. So, like, the one thing is that I worry that he won't have that game ever again in the playoffs. And, you know, like, yeah, that was that was that was the Goran Dragic game. Yeah. And that, <laughs> and that, that like, boosted this team. It, like, yeah. helped the fact that kind of covered out the fact that Curry, Drummond, and Bruce Brown, like, didn't really do all that much. Um, I don't know. People should be. It's, it's super disappointing. We're okay. Yeah. Everyone just, you know, sit tight. It's going to be nets and seven, like I said. It's going to be nets and seven. Yeah. So don't, you know, don't freak out. If they had won, how great would that have been, huh? Would that have been? Felt nice. That have been nice. Mike, but get us out of here. Hey, Let's okay. Um, if you had not subscribed to our YouTube, you should. Um, well, I think we have a 1,000. Almost, almost to 1,000, baby. Almost Let's 1K. Um, <laughs> if we get to 100,000, we will, you know. Need, always the naked streak is, uh, you know, we will Brooklyn Bridge is calling my name. Uh, you find us on Twitter at BK Glue Guys. Discord, the Discord's hot. I mean, it's playoff time. You should be in that Discord. It's popping. It's, poppin', it's discord.gg slash glue guys. That's right. Nailed it. Um, and there's so much more out there. We're going to be potting after every game. We're going to you know, bring on some guests. Hopefully this Nets team wins the championship and we'll just keep talking forever. But we'll see. Hey, basketball. Yep. Playoff basketball. Yay! See you, see you guys. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.